You're listening to the Renovation Student Ministry Podcast. For more information on RSM, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our Greenville teaching pastor, Matt Humphrey. But Gabe asked me a couple months ago um, if I would help be a part of this series, because tonight, let's talk about... Whoa, that's awkward. <laughs> dating, dude, dating. You made this awkward, Tom. Wow, you really went there. Okay. All right, yeah, we're talking about sex. All right. Uh, and dating. Um, but here's the deal. Ground rules real quick. One, I'm going to treat you guys like adults, okay? So I expect you to act like it. Now, you may giggle. I get it. It's cool. I giggle. I, I love fart jokes, okay, all the time. I don't have any plan tonight, but if one comes up, I'll let you know. Two, uh, so I expect you to, to act. Oh, that was kind of, it was, I didn't mean for that one to happen. I didn't fart. I didn't mean, you know, it was backpedal. All right. Um, second thing, speaking of which, uh, I get it. It can be awkward talking about sex, okay? But the awkwardness is worth the benefit of what we're talking about tonight uh, because it's worth talking about what's at stake. Um, so, and three, I'm going to be brutally honest with you. Um, I w- want and I expect and I hope that you would be brutally honest and open to receive what God wants you to hear, what God wants me to say. So before we even go any further, let's pray. Father, we love you. Um, Lord, none of us come into this room with an agenda tonight. Lord, let us put every preconceived notion at, at, at the door. God, including myself. Um, Father, we don't, no one here needs more of Matt. We need more of you, Lord. And so we ask for your wisdom. Uh, we ask for your truth. Um, God, that penetrates the deepest parts of our hearts and our minds and our lives. And God, all of us, we want to be transformed by that. And so God, have your way in this place tonight. And may you be honored and glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, um, like I said, I'm going to be brutally honest with you. This isn't, this talk tonight is not coming from like, oh, he's pastor, he's perfect, he's never screwed up. Um, I'm, I, you're like, I've known you long enough, Matt, you're a screw up. Um, I'm saying this from a, from a point of view of someone who's messed up, okay? My wife and I, we started dating at 16 years old in junior high, and if we could go back and do things differently, do dating differently, we would. We would love to make changes. We would love to have done things differently. So I, I want you to hear my heart. This isn't someone who's like, oh, you've done everything. This is somebody who's like, I've been where you're at, and if I could go back to 16-year-old me and punch him in the face, I would, right? I was a lot bigger then, so I might be scared of myself then. But, but it's, it's, it's so worth it because here's the truth. Sexual sin has more potential to derail the work of God in your life than anything else especially at the age you're at, more than anything else. And that's why what we're talking about is so important. So imagine this. All right, let's picture this when it comes to dating, right? You're, uh, you're shopping for a car, okay? You've been shopping for a car for weeks, like doing the research. You're a super researcher. You're getting a, what kind of car are you going to get? A truck. A truck. What kind of truck? Uh, hopefully Ford. Hopefully Ford. All right, we'll pray for you afterwards. All right. And then he realized, no, I'm just playing. So he's, he's been researching it, right? He's been going to the dealerships. He's been test driving like a hundred different Ford trucks. They all look the same, but he's been driving a bunch of other ones. So he's, he's been doing it. And finally he settles on the car, right? He's like, this is the one, right? It's got like 
flamingo flames down the side of it, you know? It's like, it's got the, the super cool LED lights underneath. It's even so cool that the back end of it is squatted down. He's like, I am so cool. I'm just playing, no offense, right? And, and so finally the dealer's like, hey, this is, the best, this is the best price, this is the best deal. Let's sit down and talk about financing, how you're gonna pay for this. And you're like, I don't have money for a truck. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? Why in the world would you car shop if you weren't ready to buy one, right? Because you, now you go home to your broke hoverboard in the garage. It doesn't even work, right? Or the Huffy, whatever it is, your skateboard, your, your, your Razor uh, scooter, going around the neighborhood, right? What's the point in car shopping if you're not ready to buy a car, right? The same is true with dating. Because here's the first truth, right? Dating is not a goal, right? What is the goal of dating? Somebody tell me. Marriage. Marriage. Thank you. See, I'm so glad I don't have middle schoolers. You guys are smart, all right? I love middle schoolers. I have one. Um, <laughs> dating is not a goal. The purpose of dating is marriage. You're taking notes. Write this thing down, all right? So if, if, if the, the goal of, of dating is marriage, then why would we date if we're never, like, you're like, oh, marriage, that's like 30 years down the road. Why, why would we even, like, think about that? Or, or 10 years down the road, or some of you, you're like, hopefully like six to seven, maybe, I don't know, ring by spring, whatever. You're like, who? But it's worth talking about. Why? Because, because sex is a big deal, right? We talked, Gabe talked about last week. Who designed it? Answer's always God, right? God designed it. It's a blessing within the context of marriage, right? So why should we talk about dating? Because in all of my years of ministry and all of my years of life, I've yet to meet a person who is like, I don't know what happened. I was at school. I was walking down the hallway. Somebody called my name. I looked back. I tripped over my shoelace. I fell to the ground, and I accidentally had sex. Like, I don't, I don't know what happened. <laughs> like, I just, what? No, no, like, it's... I've never met someone that's like, I have no idea what happened, right? But I've talked to countless people that have said, hey, I was dating a guy, I was dating a girl, and things went too far. And it was one compromise after another, after another, after another, and pretty soon we're in a spot where no, neither one of us wanted to be, crossing boundaries that we never wanted to cross. Why? Because dating's important. Because dating is the on-ramp to marriage. What's the most important relationship in your life? God, God right? God, God's always the answer. What's the second most important relationship on planet Earth? Nope. Your spouse, right? Well, now, because you don't have a spouse, it's your parents, but when you get married, the second, it's not your kids. It's not your neighbor. It's not your pastor. The second most rela important relationship on planet Earth is your spouse. So we should probably like see what God's word says about our spouse, so what God's word says about our evaluation. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Um, go ahead and turn there, click there, flip there, whatever. Um, but let me give us some, some um, Paul is writing to a city called Corinth. Uh, they were buck wild there. They were, they were crazy. Like uh, their, their temple that they worshiped at, um, employed over a thousand prostitutes. Like that was part of their, their worship. Like it was crazy, right? Like Las Vegas would blush at what happened in Corinth, okay? They were crazy. They were, they were off the charts uh, with the things that they allowed, with the things that they were they, uh, self-indulged in. Um, 
but it was a very important city on a trade route. So Paul is talking to these new believers in the city of Corinth, and this is what he says. They've been asking him questions. Paul's responding with the, the answers to the questions. He says, now regarding the questions you asked in your letter. He read seven chapters to get to it. He said, yes, it's good to abstain from sexual relation. And you're like, see, God's down on sex. No, no, no. Keep reading. Verse two. But because there is so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife. And each woman should have her own husband. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Now, you can't read that and then have an argument that God is just trying to control it, that God says sex is gross, disgusting, like don't do it. To me, when I read that, it's like, hey, when you get married, the two become one that the husband has a responsibility, has a duty, and the wife has a duty, right? That, that the, the blessing of sex within marriage is a beautiful thing, is a thing that is given um, to solidify that relationship. Uh, verse five, do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Uh, afterwards, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession, not as a command, but I wish everyone were single just as I am. Yet each person has a special gift from God, one kind or another. He's saying that, hey, in, in a marriage that, that when it comes to sexual intimacy, it's so strong, it's so powerful, it has to have guardrails, it has to have a container, it has to have this, this safety net around it, and that safety net is called marriage. And within it, there's a whole lot of freedom. And he's like, hey, it's a blessing. Wife, she's got a duty. Dude, he's got a duty to his wife. That it's not like, hey, um, it's only for, for, for you know, producing kids. He's saying, hey, it's a, it's a blessing, it's a, it's a gift given um, to a husband and wife because the bond is, is incredibly, incredibly tight. In fact, Matthew, you're gonna answer this for me because Matthew's a woodworker. I don't know if you know this or not. But Matthew, what happens if you take two pieces of wood and you use like wood glue and you glue them together? They stay glued together. What happens if you pull those two things apart? What happens? The wood breaks before the glue breaks. The wood breaks before the glue breaks, meaning that the bond between the two is so strong that it actually rips the wood apart. God is saying that the, the bond that forms with sex is so strong that it has to be in a permanent relationship, in a covenant. And that covenant is between one husband and one wife, period. That's where it belongs. That's the way God intended it. Not because God's just trying to like, you know, withhold things. God is trying to protect you because he doesn't want parts of you ripped apart. He doesn't want the strife in your life. So what am I saying? Am I, am I, with this, am I saying to start dating? No. What am I saying? When should you date? Anyone got a number? A time? When? 28. My daughter will date after that, but, uh, <laughs> or never. We're looking at nunneries around here. Anyways, uh. Uh, it's not called a nunnery, but it's fine. All right, what, uh, what's, when should you date? When you're, when you're ready. What if you're like, I'm 13, I'm ready? No. 
When should you date? Okay. When God thinks you're ready, say never. <laughs> you're like, each one is a special gift. I wish everyone were single, just as I am, right? You're like, never. Never dating, right? When should you date? Back row. Somebody give me a number. Tell me when. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Tom, we're going to talk. When should you date? Am I saying this is just like permission to date? No. What I'm saying is this. Most of you in this room will date someone at some point in your life. If you haven't already, you will. And if the goal is marriage, instead of saying, hey, let's wait until you start dating and then we'll figure it out, then we'll give you wisdom. My, my hope and prayer is that tonight we're going to give you a couple, couple of tools, bits of wisdom, so that as you progress in the second most important relationship in your life, that you have the tools of evaluation, the tools of reflection, the tools of like, am I ready? But someone failed to mention this important thing. Yeah, we got age, we got when you're ready, when God says, what about when mom and dad says? Because here's the deal. You can think that you're ready. You can be a certain age. You can, you can believe that God is calling you to, to date the lacrosse, lacrosse player that you just saw because he's hot, right? Sorry, I'm not calling anyone out here. But here's the deal. If mom and dad says that you can't date, guess what? You shouldn't date. Do you know why? When was the last time you paid a mortgage? <laughs> here's, here's what I know about God. God always works through authority. And the minute that you and I, all of us have authority over us. The minute that you and I step out of authority, we step out of the protection of authority. You want God to honor your marriage. You want God to honor your relationship. If mom and dad says no, guess what? You're dishonoring your relationship and dishonoring them by doing it. That's facts. So I would encourage you, if you wholeheartedly believe that you're ready to date, that you're mature enough, that, that, that all of that, then you act like an adult and have a conversation as an adult with adults, mom and dad. And if they still say no, you wait and you pray about it and you talk. Anyways, so, all right, here's a couple things. Four things that you need and four things you need to do. All right, we'll make it really simple. One, the first thing you need before you start dating is standards. 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 Psalm 139, David prays this. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me. Not, oh, point it out and leave it there. It says, point it out and lead me along the path of everlasting life. I'll say this. Dating is not a garage sale. You ever been to a garage sale? Right? Dating is not a garage sale. It's Amazon. At a garage sale, you have no idea. What you're like, oh, that looks like a good deal. I'm going to buy that. Ten cents for a, you know, a miniature horse. Whatever. Like, on Amazon, if you want something, you search for it and you find exactly what you're wanting. Dating is not like, mm, maybe. I mean, he doesn't have, he's not missing all his teeth, you know? Like, he cusses like a sailor. He's never heard the name Jesus. But, you know, he's really sweet. He's cute. He's hot, you know? Like, no, you have to have standards. Standards of, what do I mean by standards? Meaning, what are the qualifications 
Here's what I want you to write down. The qualifications that you want in a spouse, not in a boyfriend or girlfriend. Because remember, the, the goal is... The goal is, so should you just date for like, hey, I would get so many more followers if I started dating her. Or like, hey, she's a cheerleader. Or hey, she's popular. No, I'm going to to make selections based upon what I want to find in a relief, in a, in a wife one day. Um, ask yourself this, what, what are my intentions in this relationship? Like, have standards that are immovable. Not like, ah, I feel like I'm ready to date. My parents said I can date. I want to date, but I haven't dated anyone. And so, like, I'm just really lonely. If you're lonely, get a dog, okay? <laughs> Not a boyfriend or girlfriend. If you're, if you're bored, get a job or a hobby, okay? <laughs> like, have standards that no matter how lonely I feel, I won't compromise on. Meaning, she fears the Lord, he loves Jesus. He's kind to his parents, not just when they're in the room. Hey, she refuses to gossip about other people. Hey, she is, she's funny. Hey, not like she's like a seven, you know? No, like have standards of, of who you want to raise a family with. And if the potential boyfriend, girlfriend doesn't meet the standards, guess what? They may meet somebody else's, and you keep going. So you got to have standards. Second thing, ooh, this one's important, boundaries. Boundaries for the relationship, for yourself, for your future, when you date, how you date, um, who you date. We're going we're gonna to talk more about boundaries next week, like in depth, because that's always the question. Every sex series I've ever done, the questions are the same, right? It's, it's kind of like playing hide-and-go-seek. Who's on my team? What's out of bounds? Can we play in the dark? All right? Like, it's, it's always the same questions. Like, where's, where's the, that was a joke. Where's the boundaries? Is this okay or is this not okay? So we're going to talk about that next week. All right? And um, honestly, I had plans for this message going into it for like a couple weeks. And then this morning, the Lord changed it. Because um, I was going like to call out the dudes one week, call out the girls the next week. Um, but next week, I'm just going to call everybody out. So uh, man up and be here. Um, but I want to give us some solid boundaries with this. And so, um, like, you don't give something fragile or dangerous to a child because they'll break it, because they don't understand boundaries of how you should treat something. And in dating is where I've seen most people slip up and most people make wrong decisions. So boundaries are not like, hey, we've been dating for six months now. What's some good physical boundaries? What's some good emotional boundaries? No, like... Before I even date, I should have boundaries. And guess what? Last time I saw a fence, it didn't move, right? Fences stay where they're planted. Boundaries do the same. So you have a set standard of who I will and will not date. You have set boundaries that I will not cross. So you set the boundaries in place. Number three that you need to have is accountability. Accountability. Like this, this is so vitally important because... Um, who's, who's friends in this room? Who's friends? Okay, you guys friends. Do you, do you love her enough? Do you love her? Okay. Do you love her enough to be like, hey, your breath, like, I love you, but oh, 
dang. Yeah, right? <laughs> and she would, she would vice versa because you love her enough to hurt her feelings when it would benefit her, right? We need friends in our life. We need people in our life that say, hey, ding dong, you're being an idiot. The girl you're dating is so below you. The gr- I wasn't looking at anyone in particular, I promise. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know who's in a relationship in this room. I don't want to know. Don't tell me if you're in a relationship. But you need someone to say, hey, bro, you've changed because you started dating her and not for the better. So you need accountability. And here's, here's what, what requires accountability. Here's the key word, humility. Because no one can ever hold you accountable if you are prideful. Because you won't hear it. Because you know better. You know her better than anyone else. And you won't receive it. But your friend loves you enough to say, hey, dude, you're tripping up. And she's the reason. All right, number four. We got to fly. What time? Seriously, what time are we ending? 745? Oh, I got time. I got time. All right. Number four. Godly insight. Godly insight. How is this different than accountability? Um, here's what I do. Before I make big decisions in my life, um, I will generally ask people who are wiser than me, who have more experience than me, who are outside of this situation, to pray about it and to, to give me their advice. Because I'm smart enough to know that I'm not smart enough. Does that make sense? I'm smart enough to know that I'm very rarely ever the smartest person in the room. So why not lean on the wisdom of other people who are smarter, who have been further than I, who have, like, further along in life? So here, here's my challenge to you, is to have godly, older people in your life that care for you, that you believe they care for you while you're single, and then when you like, hey, Here's a telltale sign. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rat out some people right now. When a girl starts dating a dude but never brings him to church, it's not just because his work schedule. It's because you're afraid what your small group leader is going to say. For real. Why? Oh, you've been dating someone for, for four weeks? How come he doesn't go? Does he go to church? No. Why didn't you bring him here? There's a reason. Because the godly insight that people around you that you love and trust and have been further than you and are further along in life and have wisdom and say, hey, I've made that mistake. You should make that same mistake. Sometimes we don't want to ask them because we know their answer is going to be no. Right? Like you don't ask for a second dessert. You just get it. Right? Because if you ask, it'll be like, no. Don't break the rules. All right. Um, but be wise enough to know you're not wise enough. Be wise enough to know that, like, their looks may convince you to look past other things, right? Like, on the hot, crazy scale of evaluation, right? Because that's generally the two questions, like, dude, she's hot. She's crazy. How crazy? You know, like, she like a two or like a seven crazy? Because seven crazy, anyways, that's, that's a dumb evaluation, have godly people in your life that will speak into you and say, hey, you know what? They are actually a great person that you want to date. But because I love you enough, I, I really think that you need to focus this season on singleness. Because I think, I think God is working some things in your life that, you know, this may just be me, but I, I would encourage you to talk to other people. And there's a safety in the counselitude 
in the, in the multitude of counselors, right? There's safety in that. And not just like, hey, your friends, but like other godly. If you want God's best for you, then why not ask godly people? All right. You dragging with me? Sorry. If this is uncomfortable, calling some people out. All right. Here's the deal. Whether you're dating or not, this is for you. If you're already dating, there's a high likelihood that the person you're dating you're probably going to break up with at some point in your life. Sorry, I'm being a pessimist. I'm being actually a realist. But these standards are never too late to implement. It's never, this isn't like a breakup with your boyfriend, girlfriend message afterwards. What this is, is, hey, there's, there's some things that you need to work on that you need to have in your life if you're going to go through dating successfully. I've yet to meet a person who's single that says, you know what, one day I want to be married and divorced like five times. That's my goal, right? Five, maybe six. Or even, I've never met anyone who says, I want to get married one day and divorced and remarried and divorced. Or even once, I've never met someone that had that plan and that intentionality. Now, God redeems and God heals and God works. But no one sets out in a marriage with that being their goal, do they? No. Right? So we have to have godly wisdom going into it. All right. All right. Four things you need to know and we'll wrap up. Number one, whose I am. What you have to know before you start dating. Whose I am. What do I mean by that? I, uh, so I got a daughter, she turned eight yesterday. I know, all the feels, right? I remember when she was like four. Um, I remember before that too, but <laughs> like, beyond four, nope, nothing there. Um, all her life, I have told her she's beautiful. All her life, I've told her she's gorgeous, that she's beautiful inside and out, and I've done that. Why have I done that? Because I don't want some 16-year-old boy telling her she's beautiful and her hearing that for the first time. And it just woos her. I want that to be old news that her daddy told her every day of her life. And knowing who you, whose you are is knowing that you're a daughter of the king, that you're a son of the king. That if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, that you're in the family of God. And when you know your royalty, guess what? You act like it. Do you, do you think like a, a prince in royalty ever has to settle? No. Why? Because they set a really high standard. And guess what? You're a son or a daughter of the king and you get to set a high standard. So you need to know whose they are. Or who, you have to know whose I am. Uh, number two, who I am. Whose I am, like who we belong to, we belong to the Lord. Secondly, who I am. Because here's this thing about marriage. Marriage is two individual people coming together to be one, right? Two individuals, no longer individuals. They're, they're one. They're connected, body, body, mind, soul, spirit. So in a dating relationship, like if, if you don't understand who God's made you to be, and not this complete rendered picture, but a, a confidence in knowing that who he's called you to be, Entering in another jacked up person into the equation isn't going to help you figure it out, right? No offense, dudes, but I'm sorry. I really, do you think a 14 year old boy is going to help give worth and value and validity to who you are? Dudes, 
Do you think a 14, 15, 16-year-old girl is going to give you worth and give you validity of who you are? No. God determines who you are. Like, he has plans for your life. Um, like, so often people go into a relationship because they want attention. They want, they want to be noticed. They want to be loved. They want to have, you know, a, a companion. They want to be adored. Uh, what they're trying to do is they're trying to fill some kind of void inside of them, right? You have to know who you are before you start dating. If you don't know who you are before you start, before you start dating, how many people, friends, you don't say any names, that when they start dating somebody, they completely change? Their taste in music, the way they dress, what they eat, the way they talk, like everything changes. They're like just this fluid person because of all of a sudden they're dating somebody else and now they're like totally changed. I, my wife and I are totally different. We still both laugh at fart jokes, but like we're totally different. She can sing, I cannot. So I stand in the back of the room or the front of the room so no one hear me. Like we, we're totally opposite ends of the spectrum of, with, with certain things. But she doesn't conform to me. And I don't conform to her. There's, there's beauty in individuality, right? But we're unified together because we both know who we are. We know who God has called us to be. Number three, where I am headed. You have to know before you start dating where you are headed with your life, right? Not like, hey, when I grow up, I want to be a fireman, right? In fact, I got a couple of pictures. Some kids that decided to tell us what they wanted to be when they grew up. When I grow up, I want to be a mailbox, kids got high aspirations, right? Uh, when I grow up, I like to be a person who stays home and does nothing. Albert is smart, right? Uh, I want to be Michael Jordan when I grow up. What do I need to do to achieve that? Get bigger, shave my head, be black. <laughs> he wanted to actually be Michael Jordan. All right. Uh, succeed in herpetology. Somebody told me that's snakes, by the way. Uh, have a wife and kids breed dragons. I mean, if I could do that, that'd be really cool. Uh, when I grow up, I'm seven. I want to be eight. Let's think longer term. All right, long term. Uh, what are the three things you want to do in the future? Get a girlfriend, kiss her, rule the world. I'm not going to lie, I met some 7th grade dudes the same way. All right, no, it's fine. All right, after high school, I will die. My future looks bright. Uh, all right, all right. All right, more than what you want to do with your life. Do you wholeheartedly believe that God has a calling for your life? Do you believe that God has plans for you? Do you believe that before the foundations of the earth were laid, God knew who you were, knew the number of hairs on your head, that God had a set, ordained path and plan for you to walk in that had purpose, that had value? If you believe that, if you know where you're headed, you know the passion that God has placed in you, you know what he wants you to do with your life, if you know that, why would you veer way over here to pick up this dude or this girl who is not headed in the same direction you are? Because if you actually really believe that God does have that plan for you, then guess what? You will also believe that God will put somebody on that path as you walk it. That God has the right dude for you ladies, that fellows, that, that, that God has the right lady for you one day. If that's the path that he has for you, you have to believe that God provides perfectly in his timing. So you're single, don't freak out. 
It's, it's not a curse. It's not like a, a letter. It's not like, ah. Oh. Singleness is cheaper, like for real, okay? But there's so many things that you cannot learn in a relationship that God wants you to learn while you're single. All right, last one. I'm doing good on time. All right, number four, one of the most important ones, right? Let's recap. What's number one? What do you need to know? Who's I am. Number two, who I am. Number three, where I'm headed. Number four, what I am worth. You have to know your worth. Because think about it. If you try to find your value and your self-worth in a relationship, what happens when you break up? It goes away. Right? You should never find your worth in something that can die, be destroyed, or go away. You're like, that's not a whole lot of options. You're right, because it's in God. You are worth the price of Jesus. That's your worth. Now, uh, anyone into, like, expensive, like, stuff? Okay, y'all, I'm going to hang out with y'all. Uh, I got two watches to show you. Um, I want you, ooh, that one's like, I want y'all to, between this one and, where's the next one? And that one. Which one is the expensive one? Go back to the other one. This one? Or this one? All right, all right, hold on. All right, go back to the first one. Raise your hand if the first one's the expensive one. Okay. Raise your hand for the second one. Second one. Who didn't vote? You play this game. All right. I'll give you a hint. Go back to the first one. It's a Walmart special. $4.17. Okay. Go back to the next one. This one right here. Um, this is Patek. This is a Felipe. This, this one, there was only seven of them made in the world. This one sold at auction for $31 million. Jay-Z actually owns one of these. They originally retail for $2.3 million. Now, here's the deal. Guess what? Look at this. Go back to the first one. Sorry. You and I can leave Walmart right now. We can, well, if we can, like, find a place in Walmart where they actually have the stuff where it's supposed to be. You can find this off a shelf. You can put it on your wrist. You can walk around the store with it. You can drop it. You can put it back. You can buy it with change. Go back to the next one. You can't even look at this one in a case. Even if you wanted to. Because it's so rare. It's so valuable. Even if this was like a $10,000 watch. Even if this was like a Rolex. You don't find them at Walmart. You have to go to a watch store. You have to look at it behind glass, uh, a glass case. You have to ask permission to touch it. Why? What's the difference between the two? Worth. One is common, is averaged, is average, and, and everybody gets to look at. The other one, under, like we understand its value, its worth. He, uh, sorry, Romans chapter 5. I thought this was Hebrews, but I, I'm mistaken. Romans chapter 5 says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. 
For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, and while you were still his enemies, he will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because of our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Meaning you are worth to God, Jesus. And when you understand your worth, when you understand that you are worth the blood of Christ, like individ- not just collective, because we, we, we want to think about that as a collective, like individually. You are worth the blood of Jesus. God loved you so much, he gave his son Jesus for you. God loved you, Hibbler, so much that he sent his son Jesus for you. And when you understand that you've been fought for, that you've been called by God, that he knows you, that you belong to him, that, that, that you've been paid for, why lower your standards? Why settle? Don't settle for the, the dollar menu when God has something greater in store for you. And so my open prayer is that, one, if you haven't walked into dating, that you would pray and you would evaluate your standards, your boundaries, who you are, all of these things that you need to know before you walk into it. And if you have already been dating, is that you would come into it with a fresh perspective. Hey, there's some things that you need to get right, some things that you need to solidify. And then next week, as we look at red flags, as we talk about actual boundaries, how to date well, because you're like, I don't want to date. That sounds miserable, right? It sounds like I'm going to make a bunch of wrong decisions. I don't want to do it. How can we do it well? That's what we're going to talk about next week. So I want to pray for us, and then you guys are dismissed to small group. Father, we love you, and we thank you that your word speaks about the blessing of marriage. God, in a world that is so vocal about sex, that has their own opinion, but fails to give the repercussions of that opinion, God, we know that your word, that you are the author of it. God, that you call it a blessing that you give it to us for the enjoyment within the confines and the the safety of marriage. And so, Lord, as we navigate through these years of, of dating, of trying to figure out who we're going to marry, God, that you would give us wisdom. God, that you would help us to walk humbly enough um, to allow other people to speak into us, humbly enough to know that we don't know enough and that charm is easily deceptive. And God, I, I... I believe wholeheartedly, we know from your word that, God, there's never a situation that's beyond redemption. And so, God, I pray that you would allow us to to make wise choices and wise decisions. But if we don't hear anything else, that we would walk out of here tonight knowing that we are yours, that we are bought by the precious blood of Jesus, and that you call us your own. So, Father, we love you. We thank you for this night. We thank you for this time together. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Renovation Student Ministries podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at therenovation.church.